Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. I was nervous when I saw that Sam had put my name on the preaching roster on Valentine's Day. I didn't know what to share. Um, And so the title of my message this morning is The Chronicles of a Heart Restored. The Chronicles of a Heart Restored. Because I went into marriage full of fear, full of rejection, full of um, shame. And so Sam and I have been married almost 20 years now. And um, I guess... What I want to share this morning on Valentine's Day are just three things that are the chronicles of my life. And so I guess that's the disclosure. These are my chronicles, okay? You can take them or leave them. These are what I've journeyed through and what has worked for me and what has happened in my life over the last 20 years of being married to Sam. And the other thing, though, is I also want to highlight that actually... Marriage is the closest thing that we have on earth, on this side of eternity, to show us what God says about himself towards us. Marriage is the clearest picture we have here to resemble God's heart for humanity. And so as I'm speaking, although I'm speaking through my own experience in a natural relationship, ultimately I'm painting a picture of God and his love for humanity. And because when we're in a marriage relationship where God's at the center, we actually are reflecting in our own broken human way as much as we, as closely as we can, the true heart and nature of God. So that's my motive this morning. And, uh, you know, when Sam and I first got started dating and and, uh, Sam's the sort of guy that, and this might be a tip for some guys in the room, he just makes his mind up and gets on with it. And so he decided after four months to propose. So we were dating for four months when Sam surprised me and proposed to me. And I was, like, I was blown away. And so I was like, yes, I know that this is God, but I'm kind of freaking out. And so can we have a long engagement? So we were engaged for just over 12 months. So all together we were dating and engaged for about 18 months, which isn't a long time by the world standards but it was long enough for me to get my head around the fact that I was getting married and, um, and to come to a place where I could, um, to, could do that in a, in a really excited way. Not that I wasn't excited, but I had in myself so many fears. And so, so when we were engaged, I remember um, this one conversation we had where I, said to, I asked Sam, will you ever fall out of love with me? And... I asked that question because I'd heard that narrative so many times. You hear it, oh, we just fell out of love. And so I asked Sam, will you ever fall out of love with me? And in Sam's very token Sam Gunther style, he doesn't speak 40,000 words a day, nowhere near it. And so his answer to my question was no. (laughs) To which, and I have to tell you, Sam, When we got together, he had his work cut out for him. I have to tell you, I'm just being honest, all right? I'm just being honest. And so (laughs) he said no. And that upset me. 
how can you just say no? You can't possibly just say no at this stage. How do you know what you're going to feel in 20 years' time? You can't just blanket statement, no, I'll never fall out of love with you. There's no way you could possibly know that. And he goes, no, I'll never fall out of love with you. How can you say that? How can you know that? And he said, because love is a choice. To which I responded, oh, so now you're saying you're going to have to choose to love me? (laughs) And he goes, judging by that, probably. Oh, gosh. But if there's anything that the world needs, don't you think? It's a revelation of commitment and covenant. You know, that we move beyond preference and convenience. And that marriage is actually not two people bringing 50-50. Marriage is two people bringing 100%. No prenuptial agreements. We're not hedging bets. We're not preserving ourselves. Marriage in its truest form is completely laying yourself down for the other person. And that is so countercultural. In a world where everybody's looking after number one, to go into marriage the way God intended it is so countercultural. And so, in the beginning, when God made man and woman, He made them unique, but He made them equal. And He said, when they come together as a marriage union, when a man leaves his father and mother and a woman leaves her father and mother, and they come and they're joined together, they become one. And I've made them both in my image, but when they're together, they are the complete image of who I am. And so it's this oneness. It's not about preserving self. It's about becoming one. And so together they reflect the fullness of God. I've often said, and I maintain this idea that all the answers to all the world's problems are found in a healthy home. All the answers are found there. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. And so, so these are the chronicles of a heart restored, a heart that came from a very broken place and came into, into a relationship feeling very afraid and doubtful. And the restoration that has happened over the journey of being married to a man who puts God at the center of our marriage. And just a quick disclaimer, because I know already there are some people in the room and you come from a place of um, maybe being rejected by your partner, maybe being abandoned, a place of brokenness. And I want to say that you are not isolated in this conversation. I know exactly what that is like. The Bible tells us in Psalm 68, that God is a father to the fatherless and the defender of widows. He places the lonely in families. Isaiah 54, the creator will be your husband. He is your redeemer, for he has called you back from your grief as though you were a young wife abandoned by her husband, says God. So I just want to say ultimately, what I want to paint today is this beautiful picture of God as our redeemer. God as the one who loves us and calls us. And so these are my chronicles, and the first one is, the first chronicle I could write is the fact that I'm chosen. I'm chosen. Like Sam said to me, love is a choice. 
And I've had to come to a place of allowing that to be. When you come from brokenness, sometimes it's hard to be chosen because to be chosen means you're seen. And sometimes you want to just go, well, I'm not actually, I'm sure you don't want me. But to allow yourself to be chosen brings a great deal of healing. It brings a great deal of healing. When we were getting married and we bought our wedding bands, we engraved on the inside of those wedding bands the Latin words, Jewish nos inxit, which means let no man separate. The Bible tells us in the book of Mark that what God has joined together, let no man separate. And love then is more than an emotion. It's more than a convenience. It's a choice of covenant. And it's something you're in together for life. In John 15:16, it says, God saying, you didn't choose me. I chose you. In Ephesians 1 verse 4, it says, He chose us before the foundation of the world. Romans 5 verse 8, God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He chose us and he chooses us every single day. And I have to tell you, Sam has shown me and reminded me of that reality in the way that he chooses me and in the way that he said, yeah, I, I am going to have to some days choose. And so the, the chronicle is I'm chosen and I'm chosen every day, even when I'm difficult to love, I'm still chosen. And when I live in the fullness of that revelation, I can extend that to other people. I can choose people, choose to love people who are difficult. I remember saying to one of my friends who was going through a hard time with a particular individual, she said, oh my gosh, she's just so difficult to love. And I'm like, yeah, I am too sometimes. I'm, God, I'm so glad God continues to love me. Even when I'm difficult to love and when I realize that I can choose to love as well because love is not a feeling. Love is a choice and it's a covenant. And a covenant is more than a contract. A covenant is an agreement that you come into and you're in for life. So the first chronicle that I've learned, and Sam's just going to be painted as this amazing man, which he is. Walk out with a head this big, that's fine. You deserve it. I'm chosen. The second one is, and this is very, very unpopular, I'm covered. This was important for me to learn because I was obnoxious, rebellious, and independent. And so to learn, actually, ladies, our favorite word and live by it was something very important for me to learn. I, I want us to read it together. In Ephesians 5, this is the scripture that you joyously quote over yourselves every day. I know it is. That was a male laugh very loud just then. <laughs> Ephesians 5, verse 22. Let's read it together. Wives. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> Can we say it? Wives. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Oh gosh, this is so unpopular. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. 
Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, let wives be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. This is huge. This is actually very unpopular. And it's actually very difficult to try to explain. And the world tells you you're old-fashioned and you're a fuddy-duddy. And I have to tell you, I can talk about this because I have journeyed this. I have had this revelation come alive within me. Being very independent, being very headstrong, being very driven, learning, covering, has actually been one of the greatest blessings in my life. Learning covering has been a blessing to me. I remember when we were um, when we were just in our first home and we were renovating our first home. Now you have to understand, I was brought up in a single home. My mum and two younger sisters. We did everything. I didn't need no man to do nothing for me. I could get it all done on my own. Thank you very much. And so we live in a day where I'm, I don't need a man to complete me. I don't need a man to do anything for me. Sister, you're right. You don't. Except if you're humble enough to take all your armor off and just be who you truly are, you may actually be able to receive a gift. But as long as you're trying to be all that, you're not even going to be able to receive the blessing that is offered to us in this. And so I remember when we were (laughs) renovating our first home, and of course, I had all the right ideas, okay, on how it needed to be done. And my ideas were the right ones, Sam's were okay, all right? But mine was supremely better than his, okay? And definitely were gonna, just the best ideas. And I remember so specifically one day I was alone at home and I felt the Spirit of God say to me, what difference does it make whose way you get the job done if the job gets done? Well, the difference is it would be done my way. That's the difference. Right. So you're actually still getting to the same end result. You've just thought about it the whole time. That's dumb, isn't it? Yes, Carolina. That's dumb. And it's robbing you of peace. It's robbing you of joy. It's robbing you of the union that you could have and this exciting season you're in, renovating your first home. Who cares? Who cares? Just go, sure, Sam, let's do it that way and get to the same end result. It doesn't matter. And save yourself a bit of headspace. Do it his way. It's fine. And these revelations that I had over time is actually you're on the same team. You actually got the same end goal in mind, but that pride that means I'm going to do it my way and my way is better than your way, it doesn't really even matter. All it's doing is robbing and you're actually pulling yourself out from a covering. And so I, I also remember in the early days of ministry, now I need to tell you, if you want to test your marriage, do a job together. Do a job together. Sam and I have been working together for as long as we've been married. And in the early days uh, in ministry, leading um, side by side, and we always do everything together and equally, that w- it was a challenge at some times. And I'm the sort of person that has 100 ideas a minute. 
and I see all the strategy and the matrix and everything behind it to make that happen. I'm like, and my team know this, come on, let's go. And they're like, oh my gosh, another idea. And, um, <laughs> and I would actually find myself running out ahead of Sam, coming out from under the covering. And I would come out from that covering and then strive. It was like running through quicksand, trying to achieve anything. And I might have achieved it, but the fruit was limited, the work was hard. And then there were other times, and I thought, you know, I'm going to actually try testing this submission thing. I'm going to try testing this agreement thing. And so I'd sit with Sam and ask him for his ideas. And he might have an idea a month. And I would sit with him and go, okay, I hear that. I'm going to come into agreement with that, and I'm going to bring my skill set, and I'm going to bring the matrix and the strategy, and the fruit was exponential. The blessing around that was something I can't describe to you, and the world, unless it comes alive in your spirit, it's going to sound, I don't know what it's going to sound like, but I realized over time the blessing that comes under covering. And I realized, you know, I actually want to live in that blessing. And so honor is the key to blessing. It's the key to blessing. It brings order and it brings the possibility of the miraculous and of grace closer to our lives. Honor, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2 verse 17, honor all people. Love the brotherhood, fear God and honor the king. You know, if I can do this in the natural, if I can do this in the relationships I have now, then I can also do it in relationship to God. The Apostle John said, how can you love God who you can't see if you can't love the person who you can see? I'm going to take that one step further. How can you honor God who you can't see if you can't honor the spouse who you can see? Honor is a huge thing, and it's more than just saying the right thing to your boss. Honor goes down to, it says that honor all people. You know, honor, I I see it in the way people will leave a space. You know, the table in the food court, when you're done, do you leave the rubbish on the table? Or do you honor the next person who's going to sit at the table and clean up after yourself? Do you honor the person? Yeah, it might be their job to clean that table, but does that mean that cleaning that table is beneath you? Will you honor the person who's even paid to do it by cleaning up yourself? Honor all people. Honor at all times. Honor allows us to live in a grace. And so my second chronicle is I am covered. There's a supernatural blessing in covering I've learned to live in a covering and to allow myself to live in a covering, to allow myself not to run out on my own, but to live in a covering. And I've learned there is great blessing there. Now listen, if your spouse is unsaved, because it's, it's very obvious that it's easy to submit and to live in a covering where your covering is godly. But if your spouse is unsaved, you know what? There's a special grace for you. In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul writes and he says that the believing spouse covers the unbelieving spouse. Verse 14, the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. 
In verse 16, don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you? But don't you husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? So live in the covering of the grace of God. Live in that place, knowing that you're covered. And the last one, if I could have the band, is transformed. In 20 years of marriage, almost, I have been transformed. I've been transformed. And so the second part of that scripture we read in Ephesians, which you all so enthusiastically read out loud, the second part is on the husbands. The first part is wives submit. The second part is husbands die. Ephesians 5:25. Husbands love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself, died for her. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present to her, present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. In my relationship with Sam, I've been transformed. As he has died for me daily, I've come into a greater potential of who God always intended me to be. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Four Loves, and if you're hungry to, to learn more about God's plan for love and the four types of love, I encourage you to get a, your hands on this book, The Four Loves, because it's extremely politically incorrect and I'm certain it'll be out of print very soon. I want to read this to you, this quote, and it's extensive and I want to read it together and I want to tell you it is very, very offensive. It's offensive to everyone involved. C.S. Lewis in The Four Loves, writing about the husband and wife. The husband is the head of the wife just in so far as he is to her what Christ is to the church. He is to love her as Christ loved the church. The headship then is most fully embodied, not in the husband we should all wish to be, but in him whose marriage is the most like a crucifixion, whose wife receives the most and gives the least is more unworthy of him, is in her own mere nature the least lovable. For the church has no beauty but what the bridegroom gives her. He does not find, but makes her holy, her lovely. As Christ sees in the flawed, proud, fanatical, or lukewarm church on the earth, that bride who will one day be without spot or wrinkle, and labors to produce the latter, so the husband whose headship is Christ-like because he is not allowed any other sort, he never despairs. And this is the bit that is really offensive. He is like a king who after 20 years still hopes that the little beggar girl will one day learn to speak the truth and wash behind her ears. Sam has spent 20 years celebrating me. He's drawn me out of myself. He's promoted me and pushed me into the light. I have become more of what God intended me to be because of his leadership. 
I've done my best to draw the potential out of him as well. And we have mutually submitted, mutually died for the promotion of each other. It's Christ in us that makes us more beautiful. It's in the dying that someone does on our behalf that we become more willing to step into who we are and who we can be for them. It brings out the best of everybody. It's the gift of another person's selflessness that brings out the best in us. The chronicle is, I'm chosen, I'm covered, and I'm made into the fullness of who I was always intended to be. I may not be worthy, but it is given to me all the same. Do you know, it takes a whole lot of bravery to receive this kind of love. It takes a whole lot of bravery to come into a space and be fully seen, to allow yourself to be fully seen, to put all your armor down, and to stand there completely as you truly are. And for that person and for God to say, I love you not because of you, I actually love you in spite of you. And I will choose to love you every day. I will choose that every single day. I died so that you could live. I was disfigured so that you could be beautiful. And when that kind of relationship in the church between man and wife is actually a reflection of God towards humanity, how different the world would be. Isn't that just what the world needs? A church filled with people who are willing to lay themselves down to reflect his heart. A church full of people who are willing to step into that fullness. You know, and I have to admit, there are many days that I get to the end of the day and I feel like the beggar girl before God who still needs to learn how to tell the truth and wash behind her ears. And if we're honest, we're all like that before God. And he continues to choose us, to cover us and offer us our potential. I don't see you as the beggar girl. I see you as who I always intended you to be. Come into the palace. Stop waiting around in the mud and in the gutters of life. Come. That's the greatest love affair. That's the greatest love story. Is this God who sent his son to die in our place so that he could restore relationship between us and him. There's no greater Valentine's Day gift. There's no greater Valentine's Day story than that revelation of God. You love me in spite of me. God, I can come out of the gutters and sit in the palace. And on the days when I miss it, you still choose me. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.